You're listening to the Coffee and Clergy Podcast. I'm Pastor Scott, and we're glad that you're joining us today. You can watch us live on YouTube or Facebook on Thursday mornings, or you can check us out in audio format wherever you get your podcasts. Without further ado, let's get into the conversation. Good morning, and welcome to our King of Kings podcast as we talk about the Red Letter Challenge. I'm Pastor Doug Chinberg. And I'm Pastor Scott Pitch. We're glad to have you for the last week here at Coffee and Clergy of our series called Red Letter Conversations, uh, where we are doing uh, uh, week on going is what we're going to be focusing on this coming week. Uh, and we're also going to be reflecting on this past week of giving. And, and frankly, we'll just be reflecting on Red Letter Challenge in general as this is the last week we're going to be doing this uh, Red Letter Conversations. And we want to take a minute to sort of just uh, reflect on the, the process and uh, kind of share at, from a pastoral perspective what we've seen in our congregation and, and things like that. So um, if it's your very first time being with us, we want to welcome you, let you know that you can find us on uh, podcast or on wherever you find your podcast form, uh, and you can also find us in video form on YouTube and Facebook. Um, we do this live stream on uh, Thursdays at 11, so if you want to join us live, we always love that. And if you ever want to write us or let us know something, or if you have a question, or if you'd like to hear a topic discussed, feel free to uh, send, send us a, a comment in one of the, the most recent videos, or send us an email at the um, at the church office, so it's church office at kokstl.org. Um, let's go ahead and uh, begin today by inviting God to be with us as we uh, engage in his word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together and pray that you'll guide us uh, as we read the Great Commission today, Lord. We thank you for, for allowing us to not simply be uh, a people who, who just uh, are stationary, but we are actually a moving and going people. And we know that the thing that uh, gives us the power and the energy to go is your Holy Spirit. And so we thank you for guiding us today. We pray that your word uh, would, uh, would root down deep into our hearts as we consider your will for our lives as we read it. And so we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So uh, maybe to take a moment to reflect on this past week, this last week we talked about giving and um, anything that... Um, comes to mind is uh, you preached this last Sunday on yeah. giving. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it, it's one of those kind of things when we do a giving topic and you want to talk about reflections or things to celebrate, people don't come out and just say like, ta-da, here I go, because that's kind of against the sort of humble way that we as Christians give. But uh, And it wasn't even really this past week, but we've seen people's uh, generosity continue to grow over the course of this past year as we've reflected on what the true nature of giving is. And so I think this this week's uh, emphasis that, that giving is really a God thing, not an us thing, um, is uh, a really uh, a summation for this, this whole year of, of seeing generosity continue to, to grow. Um, so I don't have any specific reflections. If you have, go ahead. Yeah, I, I appreciated in your the message that you gave as you talked about um, kind of in conclusion about um, uh, the process that um, went on as, as Jesus um, was acting out and, and doing a miracle there with the feeding of the 5,000. Mm -hmm. uh, you talked about the fact that God provides and God had provided uh, the boy with the, with the fish and the loaves. Um, and, um, and then our, our part is to trust in 
uh, in God and what he's doing, recognize. And, um, you know, one of the things that we get to, uh, as we trust in God, we see what he does. Mm -hmm. And that's a joyful part of, of what we do as Christians. And then, then God multiplies uh, whatever gifts that we have for his purposes. And uh, we always find that there's more than a, just enough. There's, it meets the needs of, of the people, just as uh, Jesus fed the 5,000 that were there. And he not only met their needs, but there was an abundance mm -hmm. uh, left over. And I, um, I also thought it was significant that the, the disciples were the ones that uh, were able to distribute the food and so they saw this multiplication that God had done and they uh, were included in the process of being able to hand out the food. And then they were the ones also that picked up the leftovers. And I, I imagined uh, uh, that each disciple had a basket and each one filled up their own basket. Um, uh, and then they came back to Jesus and each one of them said, I had a basket full left over. And the next one came, I had a basket full left over. And um, so, but as, as the people of God, we get to see the work of God, we get to see what he does, we get to be included and involved in it. And uh, it's a joy and a blessing uh, that we get to have, um, that, that God includes us in this process. And uh, I just, uh, I, that's, you know, that's always good to remember. Um, God is the one that initiates things. He, he does the hard work, he multiplies the bread that's there, but he includes us yeah. uh, in every aspect of ministry. And that becomes a, a joy for us as we partner with him in ministry. Definitely, yeah, well said. All right, um, any stories or God sightings from this past week that you- Yeah, I had, I had a couple of stories. Again, I, I appreciated our, our DCE, Ben Simmons, as he did the, the children's message. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, for those that were there, you probably remember it. For those who were not there, uh, after he invited the children to come up, he gave them some money. It was play money. And, uh, and then asked them what they would like to give their, their money towards. And he had, uh, he had candy bars they could buy, or they had um, uh, going to Six Flags or um, toy was a, a new toy was one and, and uh, going to Ted Drew's was another and, and some kids had given all their money um, before he got to the last basket uh, but the last basket was how many would like to give to the, to the work in God's kingdom and um, but just a good reminder oftentimes even the people of God sometimes we give our leftovers rather than um, you know giving our first fruits and our best uh, to God and his work. And, um, but anyway, I thought that was a good, um, uh, a good children's message as well. And then I talked to, uh, Lori George in the office and she said that one of the things that her small group did was that, uh, they put together some vegetable bags that they were giving to the international student ministries, mm -hmm. uh, as they kicked off their activities this fall. And, um, so that was meaningful to her as they gathered together and, and, uh, did that project to help someone else out. Yeah, I know that uh, within the, the group, within the Red Letter Challenge groups, that the um, Keithley group is doing some things with international student ministries as well. So I think that's really pretty, yeah. pretty awesome that they've seen that as a, a way to, um, to serve and to give um, yeah. their to their neighbor. Yeah, yeah just, uh, just to share with our listeners, uh, the International Student Ministry is one of those ministries that our church and many other churches are a part of. 
And uh, one of the neat things is, is that the international students that come to the St. Louis area to visit one of the universities, uh, they, they have a desire of, of wanting to know what Americans are like. So uh, if, you would, if you want to invite them into your house, they would love to come into your house. Um, uh, if you want to talk about your faith, they want to know about your faith. This is, <laughs> sometimes Christians can be a little skittish about sharing their faith, but these people that say, we want to know about this. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes a great opportunity to share our faith in a simple way. And, and, uh, and they're very, they're interested in hearing about it. Yeah. So, and, um, and I, I know that there are some people that have even invited uh, their international friends to join them on Sunday mornings mm -hmm. and uh, be a part of the worship service. So that's a great way to talk about our faith, to demonstrate our faith, to invite someone else to be a part of that faith. And, um, and then again, we get to see what God does in their life. Yeah, it's not often that the, the nations come to you asking about Jesus. It's much more common that we have to take Jesus to the nations, right? Yeah. So, which I guess brings us to our, uh, our reading today from Matthew chapter 28. So maybe that's a good segue. Yeah. Um, so we're going to go from, from giving now to going um, and look at our text today from Matthew chapter 28, 16 to the end of the chapter at verse 20. This is the Great Commission. So I'll go ahead and read that. It's not a long passage. Um, and then we'll have a discussion on that topic. So picking up at verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age." Okay, so it's always good to kind of look at things in context and see what's going on. Uh, we, we refer to this section of Scripture as the Great Commission, okay. uh, when Jesus commanded his disciples uh, to go out into the world and, and share his message. And um, so we also know that these are some of Jesus's final words to his disciples. We, um, now it's interesting, uh, Matthew tells us that they were on a hill in Galilee, mm -hmm. Uh, Luke tells us that Jesus' ascension actually took place on the Mount of Olives outside of Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And so we don't know, uh, we know that Jesus was on earth 40 days after his resurrection. And so we don't know quite when this was during those 40 days. Mm -hmm. um, uh, most of us imagine it was kind of towards the end mm -hmm. of those 40 days uh, as Jesus spoke these final words to his disciples to, um, uh, to send them out. But um, there, there are some, some Christians that think these words were only spoken to the disciples. Mm -hmm. And um, as Christians, we recognize there's a number of times when Jesus spoke to his disciples that were meant not just for the 11, but were meant for all of his disciples. Mm -hmm. um, so we would say that this is, this is one of those times. Uh, it wasn't just for the 11, it was for all Christians. Um, I think of other times such as when Jesus um, uh, talked about uh, the office of the keys, uh, uh, confession and absolution. Um, I also think of like when Jesus gave the Last Supper to the 11. It was just the 11 that were there, but uh, that was meant for all Christians. Yeah. 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 And um, so, um, again, this is uh, uh, 
It's also interesting that the, the disciples, uh, one of the first things they did is after Jesus met with them, uh, it says that they, they worshiped him. But some doubted. But some doubted. That's a, yeah, and that's uh, another interesting thing. Dead man standing in front of you, talking and walking around, eating food, and you yeah. doubt. It's just, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. And I, the kind of the way I understand it is not that they doubted his resurrection because he was there. Uh, they talked to him. They touched him. They ate with him. Um, but I think they were maybe doubted. How does this all fit together? Yeah. Um, how does this fit into your plan? Um, what do you want us to do? Are we going to see you again? I, I think there were a lot of questions and, and doubts that they had. Um, but Jesus clarified some of the things as he spoke the words of the Great Commission. Yeah. Um, this is what I want you to do. Mm -hmm. I want you to make disciples of all people. Yeah. Uh, and I want you to do that by baptizing them and by teaching them everything that I've commanded you. Mm -hmm. And um, and that's um, that's what he wants us to do today. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it, it, it starts in our own homes, um, but we as a church, as a community, as a group of fellowship, uh, we get that privilege of doing that as well in the community that we're placed in as we uh, make disciples of people. And um, uh, again, we, we get to see the multiplication, the work that God does um, and, and be, a part of, uh, be a part of his kingdom work. And that's, yeah. that's a joy for us. So uh, a lot of things that are going on. Um, um, anything else that you have? Um, um, I mean, it's, I think we covered most of it. I think that the, the thing that I kind of get from this, the, the primary sort of mindset that this fills me with is a sense of, uh, accomplishment and comfort, right? That we are, we have confidence in, in Christ, you know, when he says on the cross, it is finished, it's that the the payment for sin is finished. This is him saying it is finished again, meaning his his earthly ministry, everything that he came to do has been sealed and accomplished, right? And he's done. Completed and, and now he's going to be with his father. So it just puts an exclamation point on the victory. And I think that's what these words leave me with is that sense of like, you know, when you see it when you see a good movie where the good guys win, you get this sense of like, Yeah, all right, he did a good job. And it's that's what you get here out of Jesus, I think. Is yeah. you get like he goes away from us, and there's a little bit of melancholy about that, but he's he's accomplished what he came to accomplish. Yeah. Um, so what what's significant uh, about these words of Jesus to uh, to his disciples, to his uh, his apostles? How do they apply to us today? Um, those are some other questions. Um, uh, uh, so the final words of Jesus. Um, yeah. I think that what what I really sense in this is Jesus has given the disciples like individualized missions. Like you guys go to that town, preach the gospel to these people and heal the sick and then come back to me. Or, you know, he, he commands Peter, feed, feed my sheep, feed my lamb, so, so on and so forth. This is where he gives the capital M mission, the, the, the mission of the church at the start of the apostolic age, first to the, to the 11 and then to all all people who are, disciples of Christ across all time and all all nations. Um, and I think that that sense of mission, that sense of purpose, um, wasn't as well-defined, wasn't as clear. Um, it had to be kind of dug into and searched for, um, as a lot of Jesus' teachings were that way. But here he just lays out the plan and the mission so clearly, so simply, 
and, and extends it so definitively to us that it's like no no Christian should ever ask the the question anymore, what is my purpose in life? Pick up your Bible and read Matthew 28, right? Everyone has a purpose who, who calls themselves a Christian, and it's right here in Jesus' words. Yeah, there's a, a lot of churches that use the Great Commission in some way as a part of their mission statement. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we do that as well. We use uh, the Great Commission along with the Great Commandment um, of Christ to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the Great Commission and Great Commandment are kind of what shapes our mission statement when we say we want to share the heart of the King. Yeah. Um, so we want to share with them God's love. Um, uh, we also want to share with them God's purpose, which is talked about in the Great Commission. And um, we can do, do that by sharing His heart with them, mm-hmm. um, by connecting with them, growing in a relationship with them, um, and then by sharing with them uh, the gifts and blessings that God has given to us. So uh, that's how our mission statement and, and mission purpose um, uh, has it's grown out of those, uh, those two places of Scripture um, as we live as God's people in this place. Yeah, I think it's good, good places to go to find purpose is the purpose that Jesus gave us, right? The, the two most clear... Uh, simple uh, sort of definitions of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Yeah, Um, uh, another, uh, I guess, important thing to talk about is we, uh, sometimes people think that going is the most important thing, but it's really making disciples Mm -hmm. that's the most important. Um, Really another way to read this passage in scripture is uh, instead of therefore go and make disciples, uh, it's literally as you are going Mm -hmm. in life, Make disciples. Yeah. Uh, as you live your life, as you go out into the world, make disciples by baptizing, by teaching, sharing, proclaiming uh, everything that I've told you. Um, and, um, and then it gives us opportunities to talk with people about their faith, their understanding of God, and um, gives us a chance to uh, pull out God's word and you know, say this is what you know, God tells us. And we can look specifically at the red letters of Jesus and... Um, uh, as he has told us what to do and, and who we are. Um, and I always like to bring law and gospel into this. When you read the words, like a lot of this is, is law, right? It's go and make disciples and do these things and follow these commands and teach them. And you're like, oh, that's a lot of, that's a lot of burden on us. But that's why it's so important to go back at the beginning and read um, verse 18 where he says, he doesn't begin with a statement of law. He begins with a statement of gospel. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Because of that fact, now you and your going, make disciples, do these things. It, it reminds us that our, what empowers us to do the his things work. is his power, his authority, his position of relationship to us that gives us the same power and authority to actually do these things. And that, I think, helps paint a, a better picture of what it means to fulfill the, the Great Commission. Is it's, not, it's not up to us whether or not disciples are made. It's us to in our going, join Jesus in making disciples. Yeah. And it's the same thing with baptizing. It's not us going out and pouring water on people's heads. It's us, as we're going, finding children, finding adults, and saying, have, and, and inviting them to join God's family as he is the one who baptizes them, and we join him in that process. Yeah, I, I, people can, can get prideful if they think that they're the ones that make disciples. Mm-hmm. 
uh, or they can feel overwhelmed if they think they're the ones that need to make disciples. But it's uh, the Holy Spirit that always makes disciples, but he includes us in the pro process. And so he wants us to proclaim and confess uh, the words of, uh, of Christ, the words that are in scripture. And uh, the Holy Spirit works through those words to bring people to faith. Um, and again, we get to be a part of the process. Um, and that becomes a, a joyful part of it. Uh, and he's also given us the promise um, that I will be with you always. You're, we're not by ourselves out there. Um, again, that could be um, troubling to many people that I'm, you know, sometimes we feel like we're out there by ourselves, that we're the only one out there. And, and uh, how much more can I give? Doesn't God see all that I've given? And, and God says, hey, wait a second. You know, I'm, I'm doing the hard work if, 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 um, if we're doing those things thinking it's all up to us, we've, we've got the wrong mindset. Mm. Um, because again, it's the Holy Spirit that, that brings people to faith and works faith in their lives. Um, but he, he gives us that invitation to join him um, and to be a part of other people's lives as we see them come to faith. And um, again, that becomes a joy and, and something that actually invigorates and excites us uh, as the people of God. That's true, yeah. So that the promise of Christ is, is, a, is a great promise. Mm -hmm. um, so he, uh, another thing that Jesus talks about, he, he talks about how we baptize and teach in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yeah. So one of, the, one of the few times the Trinity are mentioned in a lineup like that we find uh -huh. here in the Great Commission. The other time we see it visibly is at Jesus' baptism, which is interesting mm -hmm. that the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are most frequently mentioned in baptism and that makes sense when you think about what baptism is right it's being uh being added to god's family and having his name written upon you so it better be his full name right father yeah. father son and holy spirit um why does jesus bring that up though i think what he's doing here is he's trying to help us see that uh, much in the same way he said all authority has been given to me so that you can do these things he's also showing by what authority and power we are the ones to baptize um, if if baptism is more than just a, a washing uh, you know like if it's if it's John the Baptist style of baptism a washing for repentance it's one thing but Jesus here is describing a different significance in in showcasing that it's a baptism into the name of the Father Son and Holy Spirit he's he's saying this is not simply a repentance thing this is an identity thing this is changing the essence of your being kind of thing. This is taking an old Adam and putting it to death, drowning it in water, mm -hmm. bringing forth a new man that's made in the image of the God, the Father who created, God the Son who redeemed, and God the Holy Spirit who sanctifies. Um, I might have added a little Lutheranism yeah, in there, yeah. but um, but I think that's clear that Jesus is showcasing this This is a different style of baptism. It's, it's still washing in the water, but it's not just trying to trying to convince people to turn away from their sinfulness the way that John would have it. It's more of that and more and a promise and a covenant and a relationship um, that lasts forever with God. Yeah. So it, it begins with God, initiated by God, um, baptism is, mm -hmm. and it's got the backing of the three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and even though there's, uh, again, we talk about the Trinity, there's also a unity. Uh, they all support the same activity yep. of making disciples by baptizing and by teaching. Mm. 
And so, you know, it reflects, as you mentioned, the, the very person or character of God. Um, and it also ties in with the very work of God. Mm -hmm. uh, who he is and what he does go hand in hand. And, um, and, and again, we get to be a part of that process and we get changed in the process. Mm -hmm. uh, as we get to see who God is, uh, uh, he begins to work in us and change us even as we do the work that he gives us to do. Yeah. It is interesting to me, we hear the, the expression in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit so much that it kind of comes off as like a liturgical phrase that we can kind of just blast right through. Imagine this being the very first time you ever heard this said, and it was said by Jesus to his disciples. Imagine the impact that it must have had the first time they heard those three names used together. Because mm -hmm. they probably heard Jesus pray to his Father all the time. They probably heard him teach about how he's the Son of Man, right? It, they heard Jesus him talked about the father and I are one and the father and I are one. Yeah. So you see the relationship. You also see him say like, father, send your spirit. And, and, and he prays for the spirit and he talks about the spirit of God. But you never really hear him say like in the name of the father and the son and the Holy Spirit. And like for people who, who say Jesus didn't really think he was God. Like what do you do with a text like this where he says in the name of the father, son, Holy Spirit and puts himself second in a lineup yeah. <laughs> that involves uh, the Father who created and the, and the Holy Spirit who, who empowers miracles. And it's like, well, okay, yeah, we, it's pretty clear Jesus thought he was God. <laughs> uh, yeah. If he's an insane person and he's not, you know, and he's not really who he says he is, but he's, then he must be insane because he thinks he's, he certainly thinks he's divine. Mm -hmm. uh, he, cer he certainly thinks he's um, a part of the Godhead um, and, and, and God in the flesh. We Christians believe when he, he thought that and it's true, um, so we have to kind of be aware of the impact that it has when Jesus puts that list out there. The first time these disciples have heard that expression, they're like, whoa, okay. I think we see what you're saying, Jesus. Okay, we'll do that. <laughs> yeah, and you mentioned the liturgy, and we, we often use it in the liturgy. Mm -hmm. uh, so as we begin the worship service with the invocation, calling God to be with us, we use this Trinitarian uh, liturgy. Mm -hmm. um, as we forgive sins, yep. uh, we use this Trinitarian liturgy, um, and and so it's uh, uh, just a, a part of what we do. We you know as we uh, end with the the benediction, we don't say Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but we do have three verses: the Lord bless you and keep you; the Lord make His face shine upon you; the Lord look upon you with favor. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a, a, in a sense, a Trinitarian without naming Father, Son, and Holy Spirit um, uh, in our benediction. Yep. But it's, you know, we, um, you know, and we talk about, some people don't like the word liturgy. Um, uh, we do in the, the Lutheran church, uh, but there, there really is a liturgy that comes from the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, what we mean by that, there's a phraseology that the world uses uh, that points us in a different direction than God. Yeah. Um, um, sometimes it, it might be me, myself, and I. <laughs> uh, we want to become the center of, uh, of our life. And, um, um, you know, it might be me, my money, and my job. Mm -hmm. uh, it could be another Trinitarian. Uh, uh, <laughs> An unholy uh, trinity, me, yeah. myself, and I. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so there is a liturgy that comes from the world that we're not often aware of. Yeah. Uh, it's very subtle, but Satan is deceptive. Um, and it's in the midst of that that God speaks his words and 
reminds us who he is and who we are mm -hmm. as his as his creatures as his people um, and so that's those liturgies go on around us all the time and um, um, how blessed it is when we hear that liturgy from God and we know who he is what he's done and our purpose in life yeah absolutely so um, so Jesus claimed uh, all authority and uh, so what does that mean um, yeah in a couple of different ways he claims the authority of God here um, he says that uh, he talks a lot about God's authority and his power and the kingdom that is his uh, and when he's teaching and preaching and he's talking about the Father and I think the disciples and those who are following Jesus get that that, that Jesus is um, then they know he's something different, but when he talks about God, their their mind goes to the the divine essence that supersedes the natural world, right? And they're kind of thinking of what we would say as the Father. Um, and then Jesus has the gall <laughs> to say, but that authority is also mine. Um, during his earthly ministry, it was clear to see that, that his um, divine authority was limited voluntarily in his flesh but that he still had the authority of God in a lot of ways but now he's saying I, I've had authority in my ministry the whole time I've done this but now I have all authority in heaven and on earth everything that is under the the auspices of the authority of God is now under my authority as well equating himself to the father mm -hmm. um, so I think that shows that number one conceptually Jesus is saying um, I've done everything that I can do in this in this uh, human form. I've done everything that's required of um, Adam for this for the state of perfection to be resumed again. Um, I've died in the flesh to pay for the sins of the flesh. Um, I've risen again that 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 dead flesh can become alive again for eternity. And now I'm done and I'm I'm departing from you. But I want you to know that because of what I've done, all the authority that is divine is now also captive to the flesh, which means that if my power is in you, even though you're a fleshly being, you too have that authority of God to some extent, right? We don't, we don't equate ourselves with the Father by any stretch, but we do say that we are empowered by Jesus to do divine things, yeah. um, to forgive is divine, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, to, to uh, you know, break bread and, and uh, bless wine so that it has the power of forgiveness is divine. I mean, these are pretty powerful things. So that it actually becomes the body and blood of Christ. Absolutely. Uh, and it, it, the bread and wine don't change, but as we eat the bread and the wine, yeah. we receive the body and blood of Christ. Absolutely, yeah. So, uh, and I, I was just looking at our text again, and I thought it was interesting that it said, first of all, again, uh, the 11 were there in Galilee. Uh, they went to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. They saw him, they worshiped him, some doubted. And the first thing that Jesus said, okay, now all authority has been given to me. Do you think there's a connection between their doubting mm. and the fact that Jesus said, now, wait a second. Yeah. I know that you're doubting. It didn't, the text didn't say that, but Jesus knew that. Um, and so I want you to know that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Yeah. And I'm going to now give it to you. And I want you to go and make disciples. Did that, yeah. do you think that changed some of the doubts or questions that they had? Well, I, I sometimes wonder too if, if, the disciples were still clinging on to this sort of idea that, that Jesus as the Jewish Messiah was going to restore the kingdom to Israel, right? And so 
when they hear the phrase, all authority has been given to me, they're like, all right, let's go. Let's do this thing. We're going to go conquer Rome and establish a, you know, a, a, a reign here on earth for the people of Israel. It's like, And they, they asked that question even just before Jesus ascended into heaven. Exactly. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom? Uh, yeah. So, so I think Jesus here is showcasing once again, as he did many times in his ministry, that his kingdom is not of this world. Um, but now he's not just doing so in an abstract way. He's saying, like, literally, my kingdom is now established, and it will rule and reign forever. I will be seated at the right hand of the Father forever, and all authority that belongs to the king of the universe now belongs to me. Um, so you wanted a measly kingdom here on earth. I, I'll give you a kingdom which expands to the end of time. It's way better, and, it, and it's way bigger and more impactful than you think. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Jesus reminds them that he has all authority. He gives all authority to them. Mm-hmm. And then as their work is carried on, what does that mean to us today? Yeah, I think that it shows, I think I've sort of alluded to this, that we have authority too. Yeah. Um, do we have the authority of God? Uh, not, not in the way that Jesus did, certainly, but we have the authority that Jesus has given to us um, to proclaim um, to proclaim the truth, to proclaim the gospel, and to forgive sins, um, to to establish you know the order of God here in this in this earth, as well as it can be. I mean, we have responsibility that goes with that, but we have also been given authority to meet those responsibilities. Yeah. So it's not a, an authority to do whatever we want, mm-hmm. uh, but it's an authority to do God's will specifically. Uh, in the making of disciples uh, as we go in the world. Mm. Um, and, and, and that takes place throughout our life, uh, begins with our families. It's a part of the community and church that we're a part of. Um, uh, we get to share it with those around us. I often tell people it, it happens one person at a time as we develop a relationship with them. Yep. Um, and, um, and then we, we get to see the work of God in, in the lives of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that becomes, uh, again, a blessing and a joy to us. So how, how do Jesus' words uh, give to us a sense of, you, you mentioned the words comfort and confidence. Yeah. Um, how do they give us that comfort and confidence? Well, it's, it's the words of, of what Jesus has accomplished and that he is an authority. And I think it's like, it's like, uh, you know, you're fighting in a tag team boxing match and you're, you've got Mike Tyson on your side and you're going up against, you know, two, two little kids or something. It's like, no matter how strong you are, it doesn't matter. You've got Mike Tyson on your side, right? It's like, we've got, we've got Jesus on our side. The victory's been won. Um, he has all authority in heaven and on earth. That gives you a lot of confidence. And that confidence also gives you some comfort to know that it's, it's a foregone conclusion. Certainly we have work to do. Certainly there are responsibilities um, that we have. Certainly we are not perfect and in need of a Savior still to this day. However, that victory has been won. And that confidence and that comfort, uh, really it's the only thing that can give any, any level of lasting comfort. No other, no other blessing that we have from God gives quite that level of comfort and confidence as his, his authority that has accomplished what he came to do. Yeah, so when Jesus said it is finished, all sins have been paid for. Mm-hmm. Um, when he sets at the right hand of God, uh, even in the midst of a world that's still broken and sinful, um, 
Jesus is ruling and reigning. Um, and he's given us the promise that one day he will return. Uh, the world is moving towards that ending. And uh, we know even after that, when Christ returns, that he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. Mm -hmm. And um, all that indeed gives us comfort and confidence. Uh, we know the end of the story. Mm -hmm. um, and yet we're, we're not at the end of the story. Uh, and, and I think importantly, we know the end of the universal story, but we also know the end of our story. And then yeah. end of our story is not really an ending at all. It's a new beginning, yeah. which I think it, both, both ways, it's, it's a good news thing, right? We, we look and realize this world in the, in the universe around us, it seems chaotic. It seems discordant. It seems like it's headed towards doom and disaster, but that's not the ultimate fate of the universe. We also think of our lives as you know, coming to an end and we, we start to fall apart a little bit. We start to lose our faculties. We start to head in a direction we don't want to go physically and mentally and sometimes spiritually too. And we're reminded though that that's not our ultimate destiny. The ultimate destiny for the universe, the ultimate destiny for, for we who are in Christ Jesus is victory. It is eternal goodness confirmed forever for us. And that's like Hey man, that's yeah. if that's not comfortable, if that's not yeah. comforting, I don't know what is comforting, right? Yeah, yeah, and and it's it's secure as um, uh, as security can be, mm -hmm. uh, as it's uh, with already in heaven with Christ. Uh, it's that we talk about in the Lutheran Church, the now but not yet mm -hmm. tension that we live in, and again we know that ending, even though we we struggle here on earth. Yep. Um, and so God gives us that, that hope, that confidence, and that comfort. And uh, so, so what does it mean to make disciples? Uh, let's talk about that uh, for a moment. Um, what does it mean to make disciples? What does it mean to be a disciple? Um, how does the Great Commission remind us of the importance to do both of those things? Well, first of all, to make disciples, you have to be a disciple, right? I, I think that uh, a, a disciple is a follower of Jesus, quite simply stated. It's a person who follows what he teaches and does what he commands uh, and believes in, in what he did. Um, so, so in order to make disciples, what we're really trying to do is simply um, share what we know with others. So we know his word. We know the, the historical reality of his, his death and what it means for us. And we know that he has risen from the dead and what that means for us. And so we just simply share that. Um, with, the, with the blessings that we have, we share it uh, in our words, we share it in our deeds, we share it in our actions, um, we share it through our vocations as we um, are co-workers, as we're spouses, as we're parents, as we're children, um, and it just becomes a part of, of who we are. We just share who we are and what we know with, with the people in our lives. Yeah, I think of one of the liturgical prayers that talks about as we read God's word, we, we read, we mark, we inwardly digest uh -huh. uh, the words of God and the words of Christ. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, as we do that, uh, those words become a part of us. And I, I think as we started off the Red Letter Challenge, uh, we did so our, our gospel text were the words of Christ uh, at the end of his Sermon on the Mount. Um, when he, when he made that comment about um, uh, all people who hear these words of mine and put them into practice, uh, is, are, they're like the wise man that built his house on the rock. Yeah. And he said, the, the rains came down, the winds blew, uh, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house, but the house didn't fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Mm. 
but those uh, who don't put my words into practice are like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. Again, the same things happen. The rains come down, the streams rise, uh, the wind beats against the house, and it collapsed uh, with a great fall uh, because its foundation was on sand. Mm -hmm. And so how important it is to, uh, to follow Jesus, to read, to mark, to learn. Uh, another fascinating aspect of Jesus' words is you can read them at one age and then later at another age, and they have uh, a, a different meaning, a deeper meaning, um, um, and, but they still give us that same confidence and hope. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought I just had, and let me know, let's bat it around a little and let me know what you think. Does, is it true to say that to be a disciple means you must make disciples? That's a part of being a disciple. Okay, so that, that to me is an interesting dynamic is that shows the, the cascade effect of, of the mission of the church, that by making disciples, we are making people who then make disciples. Um, it, it is a command for disciples to make more disciples. Mm -hmm. um, that, that, that's really, that, to me, that's really an interesting and insightful way of sharing Jesus with others is that people who interact with you see Jesus written on you and then through a process of kind of symbiosis or, or um, uh, kind of just closeness, this sort of transference happens where they, uh, through, through you, come to, uh, come to faith through the Holy Spirit, really. Mm -hmm. um, and then they are then the ones who have that light or that truth. And then in the interactions in their life, um, they, they see opportunities to share that. And that's really an interesting way that Jesus chose to advance his cause, to, yeah. to, um, to change the world. It's like, it, it, it is a lot like flame, right? That uh, flame catches by proximity, right? And uh, it's like a forest fire thing, right? A tree burns, it sends out embers which burn, it sends out embers which burn. Um, and you see that process continue until there's no more fuel to burn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's what Jesus is saying till the ends of the earth, right? Mm -hmm. We want to see the the flame of faith go until there's no more there's no more regions, there's no more people groups, there's no more families who have not been confronted with this truth that um, Christ is God. Yeah, I, I think of when I meet with uh, families and talk about baptism, I, I ask the parents um, how they've learned the faith and, uh, and also uh, that they're the main sharers of the faith, especially with their children. And, and we just talk about the concept. You, you mentioned it in a little bit different wording, but I, I tell them oftentimes the faith is more caught than taught. Yeah. So by seeing someone else live out the faith, by hearing the words they speak, by seeing the things that they do, um, uh, people become disciples. Yeah. And uh, they begin to see Jesus, they begin to follow Jesus, they begin to make other disciples mm -hmm. by going through the same process. Yeah. And um, as they're going, I mean, that's as what they are going, going back to yeah. with the Great Commission, as you're going, it doesn't require you to stand on a pillar in the middle of the town square and start with a bullhorn, you know, saying, yeah. repent, you know, that's that that it maybe is a way of doing it. Yeah. I don't know if that's really what Jesus intended here. I think that caught not taught mentality is really what we're seeing is as you're going, as you're living your life as a sanctified believer in Christ, as a new creation, as you're going there will be opportunities for you to help others catch the, 
spiritual disease of Christian. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to put it like that, but you know what I'm trying to say. This viral movement, it continues yeah. to grow and grow. Yeah. They, they, and it begins by understanding that God loves them. Yep. And we see it through the creation of the world. And even though man let it, mankind led it into sin, God still loved the world. He gave us his savior, yep. his son. Um, and Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to continue to work in our hearts and lives. He's given us his word. Um, so that we can uh, read, mark, learn, inwardly digest it and, and uh, live it out, not only ourselves, but uh, share it with others around us. And so, uh, so kind of to wrap things up, how has this journey of 40 days of growth and discipleship, um, how has it impacted you? Um, how will you continue to love, serve, and seek God in your daily walk of life. We can ask that of each other. We can ask that of our, of our audience as Certainly. well. Yeah, that's sort of what I intend is for you to reflect on this as the listener. Um, I think for me it was just a, it was a great opportunity, honestly, to, to humble myself and realize that uh, my normal schedule is not very close to the 40 days of, of challenge and that I need to be more intentional with my, my Bible reading practices, my service practices. Um, conversations within my own family about the faith. Um, and one of the things I definitely noticed was um, more, <laughs> I don't know what the correct term for this is, but more um, spontaneous micro prayers. I noticed I was thinking about God more. I was saying little things to him as I was confronted with little situations in life or decision-making processes or um little moments where I just needed strength to get over the next hump. And I found myself, instead of just kind of just plowing ahead absentmindedly, it was sort of the thoughtfulness that, that the 40-day challenge produced within me forced me to pause a moment and say, no, I'm a being in Christ, like I'm a being in Christ and I'm not just approaching life absentmindedly. I'm, in, I'm encouraged daily to walk with Him and to be constantly in prayer. So let me, let me pray here. And I don't, I don't sit down and go, Dear God, help me to spread this peanut butter effectively on this PB&J sandwich for my son. But I just say something like, Thank you, God, for allowing me and my vocation as a father to serve my son in this way. Boom, 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 yep. done. Like, little things like that are just great reminders, I think, that the 40-day challenge have encouraged within me. Yeah. And I, for me, I, I was thinking about, again, it... it all begins with being with Christ. Um, you know, the, the leaders in, uh, in Jerusalem in Jesus's day, they recognized the disciples that when certain things happened, they recognized that they had been followers of Christ. They had spent time with Christ. And um, how important that is uh, to be able to do that, whether it's the devotion of the Red Letter Challenge, whether it's uh, that, that devotion and prayer life, um, uh, that goes on each day of our life or, or the prayers we say throughout the day. Uh, all of those are important that keep us, keep that connection with Christ strong. Um, but I, I, I came to value once again uh, the importance of being with Christ. Yep. And, and it, that's where it begins. Um, all the other activities flow from that. And... Um, uh, so if, if you have some reflections that you would like to share with Pastor Scott and myself, please uh, let us know. We'd love to hear those stories. And um, if there was something that uh, was meaningful to you in the Red Letter Challenge, let us know that as well. And um, so, we, uh, yeah, I'd just like to hear 
how that impacted you. I, I think back one of the greatest impacts is um, just when we kicked this off and, and we saw uh, over 70 people in our Bible studies on Sunday morning. I, that uh, gave me great joy as, as that all began. So um, anyway, we're wrapping that uh, Red Letter Challenge up. Any closing comments that you have? Not really. Just I hope it was a blessed opportunity for you to grow in Christ as his follower and child. And uh, yeah. So, but uh, we want to thank you um, for listening with us and participating in the Red Letter Challenge. If nothing else, I'll close close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son. Uh, We thank you for his words and promises, the comfort and encouragement that it gives us, um, uh, the empowering words that remind us who we are uh, as your disciples who are meant to go out and make other disciples uh, by baptizing and by teaching everything that you have proclaimed. Uh, We thank you for the invitation to join you in that, uh, that ministry And we ask, Lord, that as we go through the process, help us to see uh, what you are doing. Uh, Help us to realize how you work in and through us to bring other people to faith, uh, how you work in and through us um, to keep people in the faith and then to help pass that faith on uh, uh, yet further to those around them. So uh, bless us this day as we go our way. We thank you for your constant presence uh, in our life. And we ask, Lord, that you just give us strength for this day uh, to accomplish those purposes which you lay before us. So bless us as your people. Uh, May we go forth in your name so that others might come to know you and the love that you have for them. We ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thanks for being with us today. Have a great day in the Lord and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Coffee and Clergy podcast. We're glad that you could join the conversation. Coffee and Clergy is a ministry of King of Kings Lutheran Church in Chesterfield, Missouri. You can catch us live on YouTube or Facebook on Thursday mornings, and we'll post the podcast on Fridays. For more information, check out our website at www.kokstl.org. Blessings on your day, and we'll see you next time.